Welcome to the Devotional Toddcast, hosted by Pastor Todd Walker and Crossroads Church in Littleton, New Hampshire. So tonight I want to talk about what I'm calling a one-track mind. You guys ever heard that said of somebody before? Anyone have a one-track mind? Where are non-multitaskers? I said, where's... Yeah, exactly. So I came across this verse, which of course you guys are very familiar with. It's 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, whether you eat or drink, which we're doing tonight, or whatever you do, finish it for me. Do all to the glory of God. There we go. Well, kids often, I might always start with kids because I think kids are just a really good vaulting point for some of these things. Kids often have a one-track mind. That simply means you have one thought process, okay? And everything kind of filters through that thought process. Thank you, Story. Story saying amen. When I was a child, my mom constantly said that about me. Todd has a one-track mind. As soon as he's on something, he doesn't leave it. So there's, there was this one year that I had to have... This is a really odd thing to admit, but I had to have a chemistry set. I was watching this show called MacGyver. I was really into MacGyver, and MacGyver, MacGyver liked two things. He liked Swiss Army knives, which I also had one of those. And he was into chemistry. And so I begged my parents for a chemistry set one year, and I wouldn't let it go. So every single time I had a conversation, every single time I was talking, it was all about chemistry sets. And so they eventually caved and got me a chemistry set. The problem was is I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> Nor was it that fun. And so that's a bad combination when you don't know what you're doing and it's not fun. But I ended up actually blowing something up. When you don't know what you're doing and it's a chemistry set, that usually doesn't go real well. That was the year I lost my eyebrows. That's a, that's a story for another time. But I had a one-track mind. I couldn't get off of this thing. I had to have this chemistry set. And honestly, a one-track mind, it sounds kind of like it's a vice, and it can be if it's directed to the wrong things. But I often think kids bring out advantages um, in each of us, too, and that one-track mind can be harnessed, redeemed for good things as well. Let me give you an example. Before we get to our little lesson here, I'm going to ask the children, wherever they are, I see a few of mine back there. Guys, feel free to shout it out, okay? You don't have to come up, but I'm just going to ask you questions, and adults, you can get in on some of this, too. But kids often have a one-track mind towards fun, right? Everything has to be fun. So no matter what they're doing, they have to find a fun way of doing it. So I'm going to ask my kids, at least, who are back there, and, and I see a couple of the Ramit kids here, too, to think of ways. I'm going to give you seven things, and I want you to think of ways that these can be made fun, okay? These are seven common things, and I want you to tell me and if I don't hear from the children, I'll ask the grown-ups how these things can be fun. Number one, eating. How can eating be fun? Food fight. That's a guy who likes his three stooges. Food, food, fight. food fight is fun. Chocolate pudding what? Paint? I've never tried that. Okay, that sounds fun and messy. Putting paint. I wow. <laughs> we'll have to try that. Can the adults try that? Sure. Okay, great. How about drinking? Along the same lines of eating, how can drinking be fun? Made fun. I'm not eating with you guys. All right. I said blowing bubbles, but you took that to another level. How about school? How can you make school fun? Because let's be honest, school needs a lot of help. Learning? Okay. <laughs> Yes, you should feel very proud. 
Carver, man, you, you're in, you get a lot of points for that, buddy. Good job. He said learning is fun. How about cleaning your room? Can cleaning your room be fun? Can you make cleaning your room fun somehow? What is it? Rock and roll music. Wow, okay. What is it? So you have room to play. Oh, so you clean so you can play and then mess it up again? I see where you're going. How about taking a bath? How do you make taking a bath fun? Bubbles. Sounds like someone had a bath recently. What's that? Toys. Okay. Rubber ducky. Yeah. We're, re we're really confessing some odd things here tonight. Speaking of one-track mind, we're getting a little off course here. I need to get you guys back on track here. How about long car rides? How do you make long car rides fun? Games. Now, I will say this. When I'm in a car ride with my children, I hear all kinds of nonsense behind me. All kinds of manners of sounds and craziness are going on behind me, and I often wonder, what are they doing? They're making it fun. What was that, Carver? Watching a movie. Watching a movie is fun in a car ride. Yes, it is. Unless you get sick. That's not fun. How about this one? Bible studies. Oh, they really got quiet. How do you make... We do. You know what we do at the Walker house? I have a puppet. I'm not even lying. I have a puppet named Skitch. It's a, it's a bird. I'll have to bring it out sometime. How about this Sunday for my Holy Spirit talk? I'll bring... I'll let Skitch do it. No, we won't do that. That's weird. My point is this. is If you really think about it, you can make almost anything fun, right? If you think about it and give yourself to that one-track mind concept... Well, here's, here's the issue, okay? We need to have a one-track mind as Christians. We do. According to what I just said in that verse, Paul says, whatever you do, do all, literally everything, to the glory of God. Now, that's easy to say and just be done with, period. And then I, I let you guys, I dismiss you, go on your way, and do everything to the glory of God. But the problem is, is we often don't know how. I'm going to give you four things that I believe will help us Stay on that one-track mind concept for glorifying God in all things. Obviously, this isn't going to be deep enough to actually handle every single aspect of this. But four things to help us wet our whistle for how we glorify God in all things. I think number one, and all four of these are going to build on top of each other. So the first one will be a little hard. The next one will be even harder. The third one harder. And the fourth one the hardest of all. Number one is simply this. Have an attitude of contentment. Right? Because when you're not content, you cannot glorify God. Because you're always saying, God, give me more. Give me better. Give me greater. Therefore, you're not glorifying God. So the first thing we need to do is have an attitude of contentment. Now, as an example, I thought of this. Imagine if we were going on a hike together, which I brought up several times before. But some of you hike. Hike on a regular basis. Imagine if we were going on a hike together, Sue, me and you. Sue, would you bring literally everything you own on that hike? No, that would be silly. <laughs> You wouldn't be worried about having a nice couch or nice jewelry, right? You would be worried about things that help you hike. Well, the Christian life is often like a journey or a hike, if you will. Therefore, on a hike, you take what you need for the hike. So on an actual hike, you would take good boots, good clothing, maybe something to call a moose with. At least I, at least I would. Well, look what it says in 1 Timothy 6. Listen to what it says. 1 Timothy 6, we're going to start in verse 6, verse 6 of chapter 6. Paul says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if you have food and clothing with these, we will be content. 
But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Do you notice that? Lack of contentment will always help us chase things that God doesn't necessarily have for us. Contentment, on the other hand, will help us run the journey and run it well. So the first one we need is an attitude of contentment because without God, we lack everything. With God, we have everything we need. Number two is even harder than an attitude of contentment because that's really sort of a a presence of mind, a peace of mind that you have. The next one is gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving to God. Notice what it says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. That word abounding means you are doing it constantly. Constantly thankful. Now that's a little bit deeper than just an attitude of contentment. Because that's more of a mindset. Thanksgiving is actually pausing to offer praise and gratitude to the Lord. It's often like writing a love letter to a spouse or a significant other. When I write a love letter to Janine, I'm not telling her all the things I wish she was or all the ways she's failed me. It's, a love letter is quite the opposite. A love letter is, Janine, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do for me all the time. It's pausing to let her know how grateful I am for her. So another way we glorify God is by simply counting our blessings. You've heard that before, right? Counting the things in your life that God has given you that without those things you would be greatly reduced. So that's a little deeper than just an attitude of contentment. But here's another one. Love others. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, I don't even need to look that one up. It says, let all that you do be done in love. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, I'm going to use my example for this one called the principle of association. Has anyone ever heard of that? The principle of association. There was a uh, scientist several years ago. His last name was Pavlov. You guys remember that guy? Pavlov used this principle of association with his dog by ringing a bell every time he gave him a snack. So he'd ring a bell, give him a treat. Ring a bell, give him a treat. Ring a bell, give him a treat. You you see the process. And after a while, he just rang the bell. And the dog would start to salivate because he'd imagine that the bell meant treat. It was a principle of association. So as soon as the dog heard the bell, he's thinking, I'm getting a treat. Well, it's not so far away that when you see glorify God and you see love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, what do you see right next to it? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love your brother. Love your enemies. Love whoever. But love people is always right next to love God because he wants that principle of association to be there. As soon as you think about loving God and glorifying God, you should think about loving other people immediately. In fact, I'll say this. When people seek to love me and give me things and do things for me, one of the best ways to do that, little hint, (laughs) love my family. Love my spouse. Love my kids. That is a fantastic way to love your pastor because it's the principle of association. By loving my family, you love me. By loving God's people, you love God. Another way to glorify God is to simply love those he created because his people are his biggest treasure. Here's one more that's even harder. This one's the hardest one of all, but maybe the most profound. Pursue the will of God through Jesus. I'm going to read a passage from 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 6. Listen to what it says. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. 
Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. A lot of us, when we're seeking to glorify God, it's almost like we're a hamster on a wheel. We're doing a lot of duty, a lot of activity, but we're going nowhere. It's just a lot of stuff. We're putting God's name on it. We're acting like it's for God, but it's nothing he asked for. And Jesus never let it left us vague or ambiguous about what it means to glorify God. He says it right there. If you want to love me, obey my commandments. Do those things that I've asked you to do. Because by doing that, you glorify the Father. And so the Father has told us how to best glorify him. Follow my son. Listen to my son. Obey my son. Why? Because the entire point of this entire concept is living like Jesus. Because Jesus glorified God more than anyone ever has before. So if we take his footsteps and we follow those footsteps, we will glorify God as well. So number one, an attitude of contentment. Number two, gratitude, praise, and thanksgiving. Number three, Love others. And number four, pursue the will of God through Jesus Christ. If we spent time on those things, had that one-track mind, guys, think about what we would accomplish. Thanks for listening to the Devotional Toddcast. Join us for worship Sunday mornings beginning at 1030. Learn more about us at CrossroadsOfLittleton.com. Crossroads Church, seeking to shine the light and love of Jesus in the heart of New England.